Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast. I am Tara Bowen Biggs, joined as always by Blazer's outsider, Danny Morang. Danny? Oh, hi. Oh, hi. I'm just leaving it back because we got, we got more important people today. Well, we are always excited to have this guest on with us. Casey Holdall, Portland Trailblazers beat reporter, joins us tonight. So happy to have you here, Casey. Yeah, it's, I'm very happy to join. I'm actually, uh, I didn't go on this uh, this little two-game trip here, so uh, I, I'm talking to you from uh, North Portland rather than New Orleans, and uh, I'm happy to do it. Well, we I could not remember when the last time was that we talked to you, but I believe it was before the big Carlo Anthony acquisition. So we're definitely going to talk about what that has been like. But before we get into that, I want to just throw out the big topic that's been on everybody's mind, and that is the game in Utah where uh, Rudy Gobert did not get called for a goaltending and caused all kinds of ripples. Uh, Casey, were you at that game? I was, yes. I, I, I was uh, in Salt Lake City. <laughs> Always a good time. Always a good time. <laughs> so what was it like in the arena? I mean, because it happened in there, so that the home team obviously wasn't mad, but there were some blazers that were on fire. So take us through what that was like. Yeah, it, it's a, uh, you know, I really haven't thought about it a whole lot until just now. And I, I was just thinking that it, because, you know, in arena, you didn't get the sense necessarily that it had been a goaltend from where where we sit in the in the arena. We're at the top of the 100 level kind of off to the side, uh, which it's it's a good vantage point, but not not necessarily a vantage that you could see something like a goaltend occur. So when, when it happened, you know, like everyone in the arena stoked because they get the block, the game is over. Uh but at the time, I was like, I think that might have actually been touched after it went off the glass. So so it was kind of I, I was I'm curious about what the reaction was kind of on, and I've gone back and watched some of the broadcasts uh, just from from where that reaction was, from knowing what the call was initially right off the bat to where we were at, where it took, you know, I even, I tweeted out, I was like, can someone tell me if that was a goaltender or not? Because they're not going to show a replay on, on the arena feed, which they didn't. And, and so kind of the lead up to that too was, you know, the Blazers are down to, to seven guys and, and are playing fairly well, despite the fact that, you know, I mean, and it, I didn't think it was a, I don't necessarily wouldn't say that the officiating was bad for either team. I just would say it wasn't an especially well officiated game. There was obviously a lot of, you know, two teams. You got the the Jazz who were on a five game losing streak playing at home. Uh, you know, the All Star breaks coming up. They're not feeling very good about where they're at and probably a uh, you know a little bit pissed off. And then you have the Blazers who are, you know, trying to build something and and have a little momentum going and and going into a, a game versus Utah, a team that they beat a few nights before, feeling like hey, if we can go in there and get this one tonight, you know, that's. That, that'd be good for us. So, you know, we have two teams that, that really want to win and who are already a little salty anyways. And, you know, the Blazers get up. And so the, 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 the aura in the arena, particularly, you know, while the Blazers were up was, you know, the, the typical jazz fan and, and jazz fans being good fans and also, you know, angry fans, I would say, uh, really, you know, kind of riding the, the officials and, and, you know, every call that, that didn't go their way was, you know, a, 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 a travesty, which again, that, that, that is not any different than it is anywhere in any right. other, you know, in the NBA. Uh, and so then to, to have them kind of chip away and chip away and chip away and then kind of get over the top, get the lead. And then to have it play out the way it did, you know, you have Damien hit a big three pointer game is tied. Donovan Mitchell misses one, gets a rebound. Or, uh, someone gets a rebound. Mitchell gets it back, gets the deuce. And then to have, you know, the, the goaltend, you know, it was like it was just a crescendo for for the Jazz fans because you know it was the culmination of a 
of a long comeback that they finally had had completed. And you know, when you're when you're following the game online and, and you're following it, you know, from a trailblazer perspective, as I was, you know, it's just a, it's a different kind of it, you experience it a different way until you get to the locker room, obviously, and then you know you really kind of get the full sense of of what Blazer fans must have been feeling like through the the actual players and coaches themselves. And uh, yeah, you know, they, it was they were as mad as as I can remember. And by the time we got into the locker room. Damien had already, you know, Damien usually takes a little while to dress. He's not like a super long dresser or anything. Some of the guys, guys like CJ, guys like Carmelo, uh, guys like Gary Trent, who I figured we'll probably talk about a little bit. And Gary, <laughs> speed up, speed up your uh, your post game, Gary. I, I want to get quotes. Uh, you know, but all three of those guys <laughs> always look impeccable. So it doesn't surprise me at all to hear that those three are the ones that take. All I hear right here, Tara, is that you think Dame doesn't look impeccable. That's the only thing I'm hearing. Well, I'm just saying Dame, cool, has all kinds of, Dame has all kinds of things to recommend him. And um, I look to the other guys first when I'm looking to see what fashion is happening is all I'm okay. saying. Okay. OK, so anyway, uh, back to the locker room. Like, wh- So when, when Trevor Ariza got the technical foul, I thought, oh, my gosh, it's been a long time since I've seen a blazer that mad. And then we got to see how mad Damien was. I mean – have you ever can you guys remember a time seeing recently that you, seeing a blazer that mad? I've never seen Dame that mad. Or any I, blazer? Like when was the last time you saw any blazer that mad? Uh boy. Um, Ryan Grant going after Carl Malone. Yeah, I mean that was kind of the one I probably thought, but I yeah, if, if you better remember memory than me. If you're taking if you're just taking like player on player kind of anger out of it, then then no, I wouldn't say I can recall a time where I've seen someone as mad as Damien was. But if you're talking about like guys like just full on like getting pissed off on the court, I, I think Joe Prisbilla got into a fight oh. one time. Uh meet me after with Carlos Boozer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like so as far as like it, it when it when it used to go off a little bit more between the players, like that, yeah, I mean I would say that that probably usurps because when you're actually willing to to throw like that's for me a bit different. now, you know, Damien, if given his druthers that night maybe he takes a shot. I don't know. Probably not. Luckily, you know, that's why, why Rick and the rest of the staff is there to make sure that the, those things kind of don't go that direction. But, but yeah, but as far as like, just mad about something that happened on the court, not necessarily someone, you know, getting injured or actually getting into a fight on the court, then yeah, I would say that that's a, that's about as much as I can remember since, you know, I I wasn't covering the team at the time, but you know, the Rashid obviously had some, uh, so proclivities that way. And I mean, he, he, he'd call it out on, on a fair occasion. So I, I mean, I, but it definitely reached that level. So to your point, Tara, it has been some time. And then, you know, you mentioned Ariza real quick. Like I, as far as like getting that mad, that quick and official and it getting almost to the, to the line where something else has to happen. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I've, I can't remember none of one of those anytime recently because, you know, our team has been young, at least for the past couple of seasons. And usually, you know, it's, the young guys are still trying to figure things out. They're they're too scared and and confused out there to really. They're get not going to bark back about something exactly. So, uh, but yeah, Trevor uh, and and truth be told, like that kind of got lost in the shuffle of that Utah game. So I haven't talked to Trevor about it, and I didn't get a chance to talk to him last night. So like I don't I I don't know if anyone's actually caught up with him yet to just be like, hey, uh, so what 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 happened there? Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I I have not heard an explanation about it yet, and you know it, it might just be as simple as, yeah, you know I, I was I was mad. I felt like he did X, Y, and Z, and and I felt like it should have been called. But but that did I mean, 
and also not knowing Trevor super well yet. I just don't know kind of how that fits in with the rest of his personality. So uh, it'd be something I'd like to get a get a hold on here sometime soon. He he definitely didn't want to be out there anymore, whatever the situation was, because he he wasn't trying to walk the line. Right. Like he was he knew immediately what when he got that heated he was going well, to I, I, I guess I don't know that I'd agree with that though I mean I I think he would have realized at that point that he was going to get tossed but that I mean that seemed like a pretty I don't kind of snap decision on his part like and not decision more of just like a reaction it, it, exactly like I don't and I mean there had already been some some kind of some jostling earlier in the game uh and I don't know if it was Again, if it had anything to do with that and being like, hey, get a hold of this or. or yeah, Simon's getting under. I've already been pushed to a point where, like, I, I feel like I need to react a little harsher than I, than I necessarily would otherwise. But I mean, like, I, it didn't feel like a calculated thing to me or anything. It seemed really to me like the exact opposite. Like he almost kind of lost hold of himself for a minute. I mean, that was kind of the the, the, the feeling of that game at that point. Right. We had already had. uh Royce had undercut Ant, and I believe at that point in time, Royce had gotten into it with Mello too. And I, and Dame, I mean, he he had him and Dame really early in the game, yeah. kind of went back and forth real quick. So like it was already like he, Royce O'Neal came into that game being like, "Hey, we're we lost five straight. Like I need to, I need to kind of junk this up a little bit, or or something. I mean, whatever it was, he came into that game ready to uh, ready to." To do, do whatever he felt like needs to be done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it last night at the game against Miami, Mello got a tech, and I just had this thought of I and I, maybe we'll talk about this in a little while later, but um, you know, these older guys who've been around the league who come in with all of their own experience, you know, they get techs and they're not afraid to do it. And I feel like maybe in the past when it was um you know, Damien was like the oldest and the most experienced for the most part on the team. I mean, I'm wondering if he's like talking to those guys going, okay, guys, that's not what we do. Or if he's like, yeah, we're going to do whatever it takes for us to, you know, win and make up the difference that the hole that, that we're in. I'm just, I'm very curious to see, do you have any observation about the texts that are now occurring? Are they, do they have a different feeling than previous or is it, Am I reading too much into it? You know, I, I mean, uh, I, I feel like guys get less technicals now. I, I feel mm-hmm. like I, I, I think that's what you're kind of saying is that I, I mean, and I'm sure I'm, I'm sure there's like numbers over the to last few that, years. But... It was like they were pretty under control. And if somebody got a tech, it was like, you know, they got one and then there was a wait and then maybe they got another one. But it was it just feels like there had been less over the last few years. And now these guys are, are coming in and like it could just be, you know, like I said, it could just be a feeling and not. Yeah, no, it, it could <laughs> just, I, I mean, I, I, I would agree. Like, I, I mean, yeah, it might be anecdotal, but like I, I, I would agree with the sentiment that it does feel like. There is a little more I wouldn't say necessarily willing to see it technical. So, I mean, I. I I think it's probably a more of a broader discussion about just where the league is at with officiating right yeah. now. Yeah, I mean, because I think I I think we are at a bit of an inflection point where mm-hmm. you know a lot of the the more tenured referees have gone. Some of the other mm-hmm. guys who've been in the league a bit longer have been injured. They all kind of left the league at the same time, and now you have a situation where you know. And, and I'm not just I'm. I'm going to circle back around to the players too, but you have a situation where you have, you know, a referee crew that is just doesn't have the same level of, of experience as in years past. And, 
you know, you that, don't have any crew chiefs. Yeah. And, and it, that comes across both in, in the term, in the way that, that kind of the game gets called from a technical perspective in terms of, you know, fouls and, and goaltends, but also just in the, in the interpersonal relationships with the players. And, you know, they, they kind of had a, a sit down about that, I think a few seasons ago. And when, when I think players in, in the league had, were kind of, figuring out that hey like there's there's something going on here between the players and the officials that is that is maybe not what it used to be and i i still don't think that they've kind of figured that out yet so what i'm hearing from players is a lot of times is again it's not just the calls it it, they're they feel like there's just a general lack of understanding between the two parties and whatever kind of cordial interactions they might have in terms of like being like, Hey, I, I, I know you say you didn't see it, but this is what I saw. Like th- those interactions are becoming, I think more and more curt. And, and again, like, and I think so from the player's perspective, it's like, well, they're missing these things. And I don't feel like they're necessarily treating us with the, the respect that we as partners in this league deserve. And so I, I think what that results in is it's guys kind of getting into situations where they are more willing to get technicals or they just keep talking because they're like, you know what? Like, I don't, I don't feel like the, the mutual respect is there. So to hell with it. Like then I, I, then I'm going to say what I'm going to say. And, you know, I'll, I'll live with the repercussions of that. And, you know, I think also from the player's perspective too, that there, there just doesn't seem to be the same kind of reverence for officials that that maybe there might've been before. And reverence is not a good word for it because that, that, gives mm-hmm. it a, a kind of a, almost a religious sense and, and it shouldn't be that way because again it's a partnership it's not supposed to be like it's supposed to be a two-way respect exactly so like it, it's it's the communication just is together there. and it's a it's a league and we <clears throat> all do its best for the league including the officials uh but it, it, there just doesn't seem to be that understanding too of like hey some of these guys are new we're in a bit of a transition point right now the league is a lot more difficult to to referee now than it's probably ever been uh and they're and there doesn't seem to be that that acceptance, I think, maybe from the players necessarily that, hey, like the the league is also changing for them, too. And they're also trying to play catch up. So, mm-hmm. you know, and so I think it has resulted in, you know, a situation where, yeah, it, it, things are just a bit looser now. Like games seem to get a little a little grimier quicker. And, you know, I luckily nothing is nothing too awful has happened just yet. But, you know, when you have a huge missed call like they had a couple nights before it. It does kind of crystallize some of those those feelings that that players and and coaches might have already had. Yeah, maybe some of those older guys are also just like fed up with it. Like they're you know they've been around long enough that they can see mm-hmm. that things are starting to deteriorate. Where whereas some of the younger players may not sensing be sensing that as much. Oh, Dan, sure. yeah. I can hear you chomping at the bit to talk about um, <laughs> this because I imagine <laughs> you had some pretty strong reactions. So. Um, Tell me a little bit about what your immediate reaction was. Well, I mean, I lost my mind. Um, the the thing, the, this this whole play and this whole structure, where people, I, I've heard both sides of the argument. Um, it's not the ref's fault. The rules written weird. Blah, 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 blah. It, it is the officials' fault. It is a hundred percent the officials' fault. Uh, the the way they set these things up, uh, multiple officials should be able to pick up on a goaltending call because that's what at least two officials should have been tracking that at that point in time. Um, and like what Casey was saying with the changeover in in crews and guys retiring and the training programs not necessarily being probably what they should be. You get a guy like Josh Tivin. This isn't to throw him under the bus. He made a him and his crew made a, a horrible lapse in judgment and then doubled down on it with the arrogance afterwards. But Tivin shouldn't be a crew chief. 
Like that's something that I've heard numerous writers and, and other people around the league after that event. It was like the prevailing thing. And it, it's not necessarily a shot at him. It's they, they just don't have the the people necessary to, to, to fill that role right now. And this is something, Terry, you and I talked about, you know, over, over a couple of years about you know, kind of tearing the NBA structure down as far as the referees are concerned and building it back up and putting like youth academies in place where you're the, the same places you're building players, you're building officials. Like the guys have got to at the highest levels, you've got to have the best in the world officiating them. And to do that, you have to invest a lot more money. And that's one of the, I don't know if you've heard this Casey. This is one of the common complaints that I've heard is that the NBA is not willing to, to invest the millions of dollars necessary to, to get this back because it's not something that the NBA sees the immediate return on investment from at least monet- monetarily. So um, that, that's my whole spiel on, on the officials part of it. But um, my, my personal thing, it, it, this whole takeaway was there was a lot of just absolutely ridiculous stuff that happened in that game. Um, if anybody who's followed me on social media knows that Ant's my guy and watching Roy step underneath him with one of the dirtiest plays that you can do in basketball, um, pissed me off. Um, so that part of it and, and to see that kind of like go in that being the tone setter for the game was, was kind of frustrating. Uh, I always wonder if that's something that maybe set Trevor off. Um, but the one thing I did like about this team and Dwight James said this too, that first half from this team was the most competitive, dogged, like play for each other kind of thing that I've seen from this team all season, maybe in a couple of years. Um, their backs were against the wall, and to have it yanked away in such a way with that that erroneous call, or non-call, I should say, you could see it. It was evident from, from everyone, right, in the postgame. Uh, the NBA got one thing right in this entire process. Nobody got fined. Mm-hmm. I mean, Damon Donovan were escalating things on social media. Normally you see uh, fines for those things. Uh, Dame tweeted out multiple <laughs> things about the officials, and he should. He had all the right in the world. I'm not criticizing him whatsoever. I'm just saying the NBA got this right. Um, CJ, the audacity. I love that quote. It was, so, it, was such, it was such a great quote. The audacity to have the arrogance to say it wasn't even close. Um, everything about that night – we may look back on this at the end of the season and this may be, I don't like to say this, but this could be a galvanizing point. Well, I should hope so. I, I mean, even, even before the, the ending of it, they were playing with yes. something. I mean, that there was, was a there. fun game. I was, my husband was cooking dinner and I kept like yelling at him. I was like, you got to come watch this game. This, there are bodies flying. There are guys diving. They are making extra passes. It was fun basketball. It had playoff basketball feel to it. I mean, Casey, that, was that the feeling that you had in the, in the arena? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it, and it really was a, a fun game. And, you know, I, you know, you talk about where the Blazers are at and it's like, yeah, again, they're down to, it's, you know, it's like a, you know, it's like a script for a corny movie. You know, it's like you're you're fighting for your playoff lives and it's the second night of a back to back. You're at elevation and you only got seven guys in the arena hate you, you know, and it's it's one of those things where like they just responded to it. And I, I think part of it is, you know, you have Damien playing so well that I think that it, it's reached like the inspirational level for for a lot of the other guys in the team, too, where it's like, heck, man, like if this guy's doing all this stuff, like we got to go like we only got seven guys like we're 
we're going to get to play, you know, like if I'm Caleb Swanigan, I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm playing tonight. You know, Gary Trent, it's like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to play three minutes tonight. You know, like I never get to do that. So yeah. it, it's one of those things where it just kind of locks in. And, and in that one moment, it's like, Hey, like we got 48 minutes, we got to play. And, you know, none of us want to leave this arena, you know, having lost, knowing that, that we had a chance in this one. And, you know, when those kind of things happen and you have a, and you also have a guy like Damian Lillard who can just kind of, seem like he can make things happen out of out of nothing it's like you 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 set yourself up to have one of those situations where it's like a really it could be a really special night and in some ways it was you know like it it it, it it's noteworthy we're still talking about it here you know three or four yeah. days later whereas it, if it had gone the blazers way i mean obviously that's much better for the team but it it, it does give the the night and the experience something else to have it end the way it did and again like that's not to say it's better but like it you know, it's a lot it better be, than that Denver game. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you'd rather lose that way. I mean, you'd rather not lose at all. But I mean, heck, it 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 beats the heck out of going in and just getting creamed too. Which again, like coming off of that game as well, it's like, hey, yeah. we, we were kind of building something here, and then that was a gut punch. So yeah, to the the whole thing, and then to come in, you know, and 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 beat the Heat, you know, the next or two nights later. I, again, like I think they're I think they're kind of looking at the at the All Star break and thinking like, hey, let's just go hard. Like we're mm-hmm. gonna have. You know, all, all on the floor. They're going to have, you know, 10, 11 days just to hang out. Like, let's let's get let's get loose with it here for for four or five days and see if, you know, we can just put our bodies to the test and, and go out there and, and make something happen before the break. I almost wonder, and this is maybe this is a little bit weird, but in the long run that this ends up being better that they lost. And it takes a lot for me to say that because, I mean. If you're on the outside, listen, 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 I'm I'm not a moral victory guy. You know that. But I almost wonder, this is a team that under under Damian Lillard has when they have a chip on their shoulder, when they have their backs against the wall, like it sounds so corny. But when that does happen, they are they're they're damn near unstoppable. And it's there's something weird. I don't know. I hate saying it's it's this leadership quality or it's this culture or this that because it I think that takes away from everything that they do at the same time. But when they do get put into a corner, they really do behind they they galvanize behind Dame and they do something that I, I've never seen any other team in any other sport do. And I almost wonder if if they take this slight, you know, take you know getting screwed over by the refs here as something personal, and it ends up being like kind of that 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 motivating spirit kind of going forward. I think they take the – it was in the palm of their hand and they didn't get it. I think that's the part they take away. I think they've probably moved on from the referee part of it, but they're still going to hang on to the – it was in reach and yeah. we didn't get it. I have written – like I have this phrase for this year, which is – against all odds and totally on brand. And I think both of those things just characterize the Blazers right now, because just like when you think that like nothing could go right, they somehow figure out how to find daylight and make it through. But they do this every year and we're shocked every single time. Well, they rewrite the script every year. That's the thing. (laughs) They find a new way to, to, to like, Every Go year, forward. it's against all odds, but totally on brand <laughs> that they're able to make it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, it, it's always possible that it could be a galvanizing event. One, one thing that leads me to believe it might not be is that, 
you know, <laughs> without saying anyone's name in particular, like there's already been some guys in Portland's locker room that have already felt like they've been getting the screw job from the officials anyways. So like, so that, that's kind of been an, an ongoing thing at this point. Yeah. I, I do think it it's instructive though. Cause it, 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 it's a lesson in that look like, even if we do everything right, like no one's going to give us anything like, and, and this is not a, this is not, this is not necessarily a fair situation. Like, it's a league. It's everyone's supposed to be on the same footing. I, I think everyone knows that's not necessarily the case. So like, so either accept it or don't, and either get tore up about it or or move on. And I think that's that's kind of where where I think they they probably end up landing on that. But I I do think that you guys are exactly right that it's like it every it's every year. Like, and there's always a tweak, like you mentioned. Like you know there there's a someone does a rewrite of something, but they, they send the, the draft in that's kind of pretty much the same draft it was last year. And, you know, the ending kind of varies a, a little bit from time to time, but it, it generally has the same themes to it. So I, I think you guys are both right that it could be anything, you know, or it could just be the Portland Trailblazers. Like it, that, it, the idea of even having a moment that things kind of go one direction or another could just already be baked into the fact that it's the Portland Trailblazers. And, you know, that event's always going to be something. And who's to say what it's going to be from, from one season to the next. So it must be fun to write about. <laughs> it has been fun actually. Yeah. And after, you know, it, things got a little stale over the past mm-hmm. couple seasons and th- this season has, has absolutely not been the case. It, you know, there's, there's so much stuff this year that, it, I mean, there, there's good stories or at least interesting kind of news items that I would have otherwise had done something with that are just basically getting washed away. And I guess, I guess that kind of, <laughs> that's maybe news in general nowadays. I don't know, but like it, there, there definitely does seem to just be like every single week or two weeks, like something different happens or someone gets signed or someone gets injured or, you know, Damien does something ridiculous or, you know, you have a, a terrible call or Carmelo wins player of the week, you know, like it, it's just, uh, there have been a lot of kind of just one-off random things that have really kept the season going along with, also, the the basketball getting better because so I would say for like the first two months of the season, it was getting hard to write about this team from a basketball perspective because yeah. it was the same thing and it was it was unpleasant. <laughs> There's only so many ways you can say this is not fun. Yeah, and, and like, that I think that's the major difference between what they were and what they are now is that they're not the Charlotte Hornets, they're not the Detroit Pistons, who by the way tonight played a game to a score of eighty seven seventy six for a final, <laughs> and in front of like twelve people, people yeah. like. Yeah, it's like, and I, so, I, don't, I don't say that glibly, by the way, either. As someone who works for the league, that kind of stuff scares the hell out of me. So. Yeah, it's not good. And but it's what I mean. Like, as bad as things are or have been with the injuries and some of the obviously the the not fun stories and the basketball not being that great to start the season, there's still been games where the basketball has been brilliant and and enthralling and and beautiful and awesome. Uh, but also the storylines have been there, damn near all season. Like coming into the season, what did I say, Sarah? Bare minimum, it was going to be, you know, it was never going to be boring. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the uh, the what you what you guys both talked about as the good basketball that we're seeing right now. How how would you describe uh, what has changed and what is working for the Blazers at this time? Well, I mean, the way that Damien's playing obviously yeah. opens things up. I mean, like you don't have to. I mean, I yeah. you know, I, I watch a lot of basketball. I feel like I generally know the sport fairly well, but I'm not like a super attuned X's and O's guy. But like I, I can tell when a guy is is playing fantastic basketball and the the effect that that has on everyone else on the court. And when 
when you know when you're playing the way Damian is now and and drawing the attention of two defenders basically every single time and then still basically getting whatever you want like it it it, it papers over some of the issues that you might have been having before but it but it, it it goes beyond that too I think I think Hassan's play particularly on the defensive end and in the pick and roll on the other end I think is has really helped smooth over kind of some of the issues that that were afflicting the Blazers for for some time. Uh, I, I think adding Ariza, obviously, that's still a, kind of a, a newer addition, but just having a better positional fit, having a guy who's who I, I mean, percentage wise, I don't know that he's shooting better than than Kent was, but I mean, like I, I think a probably a little more confident in himself and, and his abilities, even, you know, at, at this the day. timing. Yeah. I, I think the, that, that understanding as you, you mentioned there, Dan, uh, I think goes a long way as well. You know, Trevor being a traditional small forward, knowing kind of what a small forward does as opposed to guys who are kind of trying to fill that role. Uh, I think it has made a huge difference. Obviously Gary Trent coming on and, and really giving them something off the bench that the bench all season long is, you know, it's been tough for those guys. And, and it seems like it, it's always a different bench. It, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you, you can't really even knock them for it because it's, you know, guys are in and out of the lineup. They're in and out of roles. So, I mean, it, it's to be expected in some respects and they're, and they're, especially young as well. Uh, but the way that Gary is playing right now, and I would say over the last month it has been, mm-hmm. I mean, it, that's really something that they've been missing. You know, they, they were, they were hoping that Ant would be the guy this season to, to come in and kind of fill that, that role of that, that bench score. And he's, he's done a good job of it, but it's, you know, he, he's a, he's a young player. He's, it's, it's been a little uneven. Uh, and Gary has come in, uh, you know, with an opportunity, not necessarily at Ant's expense, but uh, he's probably eaten a few of his minutes at this point, but, but coming in and, and just giving them something they need, which is, a guy who who can kind of really get into you defensively and is not not a not a fantastic defensive player at this point but a guy who is who is showing the the willingness and I think he's his understanding of NBA defenses and and just the game slowing down is it's starting to become apparent for him and mm-hmm. I think that you know the way that he's played recently is has been a really big part of of why they've been able to to kind of get this thing turning in the right direction case if you want a free PR release Trevor's shooting 50 40 90 right now Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. See, look at that. Or the, since he got traded since, here, or since just he got to Portland, yeah. Okay. So he's he's actually like I think he's like fifty on the yeah he's fifty point seven forty and ninety two three uh, on the free throw line. But yeah, I mean he's getting he's shooting forty percent on just a little over three attempts a game. But um, I've seen a lot of defensively too. By the way, with Trevor, like it. I mean, okay, it, I, I'm, it's, I'm glad it's not even. There. It's I, it's it's just night and day. I, I apologize. It, it, Cut in there. It, it, no, no. You, I, I'm glad you went there because that's exactly what I want to touch on. Because there's this, I think there's this misconception between individual defense and team defense that a lot of people get caught up about. Trevor has what Kent physically can't have, and that's length. He's, he's taller. He's longer. He covers more ground. And just by having that, just by existing in that size. When he takes a step inside to help a little bit, it makes an offensive player think about something a little bit more. When he, it, not only that, he's more, I think, in tune with playing defense at that position, knowing when to help, when to rotate, how to recover. And he's been in the league for God knows how long now. Um, but I, I see a lot of people talking about how the Blazers are playing better defensively. They're not. But that's that's okay. They're playing more cohesively and I think more opportunistic, but they're they're. Get, giving up 118 a night 
So but, when you say they're not playing better, but they're more cohesive and more opportunistic, do you mean that like the numbers do not reflect better defense, but some of the things that they're doing are more correct than they previously were? That's necessarily more correct. They're, Portland, is, as long as Dame and CJ have been together, they're not a transition team. What does Trevor Ariza give you? He gives you some transition yes, offense. He, so great. It, it's, it's not. It's not a ton, but – a run-out dunk is enough to change momentum plays. And that's what I was talking about with Trevor earlier, the the timing of things. Like hitting a three when the ball has swung around the horn four times and the play looks beautiful, it lands in your hands and you knock down the shot. What happens when you miss that shot or you pass it up? You get that collective, ugh, that groan in the arena and you're like, you've got to be kidding me. He just has a knack to knock that shot down or to reverse it one more time or to attack and take it to off the bounce and get to the rim. He he's he plays this position. And this, I don't want it to sound like I'm taking shots at the other guys that were here and they're gone. But here's the reality. The bar for success at the forward position in Portland is low. It has been low for a very long time. When was the last time Portland had a guy out average 15 a game at that position? That's not a that's not a real high bar. This is not something that exists. So when we see somebody who's a competent dribbler, a competent shooter, a competent playmaker, a competent defender, and has a high basketball IQ, we're like, wow, this guy's amazing. And it's not to take away from Trevor in the least bit. He's doing everything that Portland needs to do, and they're getting it from one player. In the past, they've had a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here, a little bit there, just trying to get it from different guys. We've talked about this for years, Tara, the whole idea of siloed players. Yeah, this guy does these two things really well, but he's missing this. This guy does these three things, but he's missing this. Trevor doesn't have really a hole in his game where you're like, I really wish he could do X. He does everything just well enough. And that translates, and I think that elevates the floor for what the team can accomplish on both ends of the floor. And um, obviously, Dame is the engine that drives this with this absolute insanity that he's been putting on lately. I mean... Uh, I think it was StatMuse put it out earlier today, and Dame retweeted it. 40 points, 9 assists, 50-50-90 over his last 12 games. Yeah. That That's that's otherworldly. It's never happened. We're talking better than Steph Curry 2015-16 season as far as a shooter and a, and a distributor. Like What he's doing right now is quite literally some of the most dominant guard play we've ever seen in the existence of the league. And that's not hyperbole. It's not superlatives. That's actual facts and it's it's hard for me to wrap my head around that and try to quantify what that means to the rest of the team and how guys are playing off it how guys are feeding but casey i think you said it perfectly when you see guys or these guys see dame doing what he's doing they just say hey we got to get with the program we got to find a way to to contribute there's been nights where Melo's had a rough shooting night but he still finds ways to stay involved. He he, he gives a little bit more defensively. He get, gets a little stronger on the block for a, an, an offensive rebound or a putback. Makes the right pass. And that's what having the guys like Melo, like Ariza, who are a little bit older, who understand things. Um, but the, I think the the big scheme, as far as the defensive part of it, I think is being oversold a little bit. The 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 thing that has really stood out and will always stand out in the regular season. It, it test, stands the test of time every time. If you can drop a buck 25 on somebody, ain't nobody going to stop you. And that's what Portland's been doing. And behind Dame's, you know, 40 a night, everybody else is stepping in and filling in. It's not to undersell what Gary Trent Jr. is doing. Hell, lift that man up. He's been balling out of his mind. But the defensive stuff, I don't think we're noticing quite as much because they're being so successful on the other side of the ball. 
Yeah, I definitely would would agree with that, Dan. And I mean, and just with Ariza too. Like, I mean, you you go from from a guy who basically can guard one through three to a guy that can get the four there. And particularly when you're playing with Melo, who's already a little undersized, anyways. Like the ability to switch and to to really be able to recover back to to the other man. I, I think you're right, Dan. It's not like they're playing like way better defense. It's just they they are as they talk about. It, it's connected. Like that's, yes. what it, that's what we talk about with defenses. We're connected as a defense and, and for the most part of the season, they haven't been. And recently it's been better. And yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think your, your other point is, is, is probably the larger one, which is that, yeah, they are doing with offense right now. And that makes everything look a little bit better. Uh, but it, 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 it's at least, it at least has more of the, the, again, the, the connection that, that had them kind of drifting in the middle of being kind of one of the, the middle defensive rating team, as opposed to, you know, in the twenties, you know, 2023, 20, I think where they might've been earlier in the season. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, and you know, who, who, who's to say that, uh, that it, that it keeps up too. I, I think you, you get kind of that new player bounce and I'm sure that Trevor is kind of getting a bounce from, from actually getting to start again. And I, I think we kind of saw a thing, same thing with Carmelo where that, you know, you, you maybe are a little underutilized or not utilized the way you were at least used to being. And then you, you get an opportunity again and, and you really kind of make something of it. And it, it becomes a question of how can you sustain that, you know, because in yes. some respects, like it's, you know, you, you lost minutes at some point in time for a reason. And I mean, you, you consider the organizations involved and maybe you kind of, you give it a bit of a pass, but you know, there, there is that, that notion of, of how much of this is kind of the, the new car and how much of it is, is going to last. And I think with Trevor, I, I think there's a good chance it lasts. Well, and Carmelo has, I mean, he, he obviously has his moments, but everybody has their off nights, but I still am enjoying just his enthusiasm on the floor and watching somebody who's clearly having a good time. But that leads me to (laughs) what I want to ask, what has it been like to get to know Carmelo Anthony and now Trevor Ariza for you, Casey? Uh, it's been fun. Uh, again, with, with Trevor, uh, it, it's still a little bit new. I actually, I got sick uh, last week and I, and I was kind of out of commission for about four or five days. So um, one, I, I kind of missed out on a few few practice days and a few games. And two, I just I just haven't had a chance to really kind of talk to, to Trevor a whole lot outside of a post-game media setting. So I, I'm hoping I get that opportunity at some point in time here. But uh, at least as far as Carmelo goes, it, it's really been a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, I, I think there was kind of a lot of debate about it when when he first signed Portland. If we know, is Carmelo Anthony the most famous trailblazer ever? And obviously mm-hmm. that's not, say, the best or, or whatever, but like just in terms of, of his status, not only just in the NBA, but but – you know, outside of sports and internationally and, and just in terms of, of kind of who he is as a, as a brand. Uh, and so to be around a guy like that and to kind of get to know him and particularly with Carmelo a guy who, you know, I think we all can, can say kind of came in with some baggage. I think, you know, that, that piece is probably at least has something to do with why, you know, he wasn't signed before the start of the season. And, you know, it, it, so it's interesting to to really kind of get the the straight dope on that for for lack of a better term, and like it, it it's really been a pleasure. Like Carmelo is is very pleasant and and enjoyable to be around and to converse with, and you know he he knows who he is and he knows his status and and kind of the that the space that he occupies in terms of kind of again his, his brand and and what he's he he's meant to a lot of people, particularly you know a lot of people on the East Coast. And, you know, it's, it's really been a, it's been a pleasure. Like it, there, there's always that, that chance that when you have a guy of that stature that comes into an organization that, you know, there's that, 
you know, he he's of a certain caliber, and you know, it, not to say that the Portland Trailblazers aren't aren't worth whatever accolades they get, but just the notion of like, you know, this is Portland, and you know, I'm from New York, and you know, mm-hmm. the, it hasn't been anything like that. Like he has been very accommodating with his time, and and funny, and and uh, kind of willing to 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 get to know you a little bit on a on a personal level, and you know, he he obviously has a lot of a lot of stuff going on, and he has a lot of you know, kind of desires on his time uh, but but he you know he makes time and but he's also like he lets you know too like when he's done with it which uh, which is incredibly important or, or helpful when you're covering a team too because like there's some guys who you know they they might just let it keep going and going and going and then you know you find out two weeks later like hey man i this is annoying the hell out of me. I wish we could be done with this. And Carmelo, like when he just doesn't want to do something, he just tells you, you know, like, and that's great. And, and that's what, what kind of knowing who you are. And again, having a, a place where you're a, you're not just a vet, but you know, you're a, you're an all time hall of fame kind of guy. Like, you know, you, you just kind of learn how you're supposed to, to interact and how you're supposed to use your, your stature to, to benefit yourself and to help the people around you and to, to set boundaries as well. And, uh, you know, again, like I, I, I legitimately don't have a single negative thing to say about the time that Carmelo has been here. Like it's, it's been really pleasurable and, and, you know, particularly in a season where, a lot of times it's it's been kind of a slog. Like just to have Carmelo around is just like a oh yeah, and there's Carmelo. Like a little shot like, in the arm. Exactly. Like it's it's just a not even just a shot in the arm, but it's just like a it's like a just a drip kind of, you know. It's mm-hmm. like, well, you know, things aren't going great, but it's like but there's Carmelo, you know, Steady like and, and Carmelo's Mello. doing something. Exactly. <laughs> like so it, it's again, it's it's really been a it's been a joy. Like I, I uh and you know, whatever happens next happens next, but it, it's been I mean, it's it's really been uh, it's been a fun time. And I wanted to touch on that real quick. Like, obviously, I'm I'm not around those guys like that. But from the the business side of things and the perception side of things, Carmelo Anthony didn't have to answer that question the other day about wanting to come back here and and finish his career out here and and give Portland a rather blanket endorsement. I mean, when we talk about a guy being probably the most famous guy who's played in this organization, you know, drawing that attention, that's something that matters. And the Blazers, in in all reality, should amplify that because Carmelo Anthony, Hall of Famer, giving his endorsement of the team, of the organization, of the city, that's that's not a small thing like that. You know, that gets around to some of the other guys in the league. Well, I mean, Melo's a New York guy. He's he's saying it's all right there. Like that, that matters. Carmelo, listen, I, I had plenty of reservations about him, um, but he like for 98 percent of his time here has been absolutely what I did not think he could do. And that was step out of, of uh, or step into Dame's shadow and be there as the secondary guy. And I, I got to tip my cap to him. He, he's, he's been fantastic in that regard. So endorsements for at least uh, up till now, Carmelo Anthony's time here. I think it's been fun. I think it's been a blast. And like he's got that that big radiant smile. And even when things are going sideways, he still looks like he's just happy to be out there having a good time. And I I think that's kind of contagious. We are we're getting low on time. So I want to know if you guys want to say any more words about uh, Gary Trent Jr. For me, I've just you know that I've enjoyed watching him all year. And then when the Blazers uh, got 
moved Scal on to another team. I had to figure out who was going to be. Who are you latching on to next? Who was I going to latch on to? And apparently some people <laughs> think that there's a team mom curse, which I only wish that I had that much power, but I don't. So um, uh, Gary Trent Jr. has just been just a delight to watch, I think. And I think people are definitely uh, catching on to that. What do you guys think about what Gary has done and what, like, I guess coming into what you thought he was going to do and what you see that he's done now. Hey Tara. What? You know what? What? Gary's going to be around the league for about 10 years or more. (laughs) (laughs) Dan, I love how specific you've gotten in the last couple of days after I called you out about that, though. I have to say. So, Casey, our running joke. <laughs> oh, I know. All I, I'm, season. I'm aware. All season. Every time I try to bring up Gary Trent Jr. right here. Yeah, if he keeps hitting his shots, he's going to have a damn good career. And then, like, that's all. So now I'm getting he has a particular skill set. If he knocks down shots and plays defense, he's going to stick in the league for 10 years. Like that's just, that's, that's the thing. Like you look at, I, I tweeted it out the other night out uh, since the turn of the new year, only Bazemore has more deflections than Gary. Like he, he just has a, a knack for finding a way. Uh, the last guy I remember the Blazers having who did this was uh, Andre Miller. Andre would get his hands in the cookie jar and not get called for a foul. Dame's got a little bit. He's got that that knockdown rip move that he gets when guys try to post him up where he'll knock it off their knee. But Gary's got something where he's got like a pry bar with his left hand or something because he reaches in there, doesn't get called for the foul. Well, except for last night when he got three in three minutes. Um, but then he came in and just kept playing. It was I was playing, yeah. <laughs> that was the thing. He got those three, and then he managed to play the way he did with three fouls. That's, I think, a bigger sign of his maturity than anything else to be able to play consistently play good defense on a Miami team. That's, I mean, let's, let's be honest. That team runs you ragged. They, they run a ton of actions um, and, and they make you chase shooters around the floor and play heady defense. And for Gary to play the, the way that he did and the way that he has really over the last two months, um, you just got to tip your cap to him. Like my biggest question about him is when I saw him at hoop summit three years ago, was can he laterally figure it out defensively? And I don't know if he's just worked on that and he's kind of you know grown up physically and gotten quicker and, and gotten better at, at that actual skill set, or it's a combination of that and film work and understanding defenses. But whatever it is, it's there. It's real. He he rarely finds himself on the wrong side of an offensive player. He knows where to push a guy, where to angle a guy, where to get to, and. I think that's a bigger thing than him knocking down shots because, I mean, we all know he can shoot. Yeah, and, and for Gary, you're exactly right. I, I just think the the game is slowing down for him quite a bit, particularly on the defensive end. It's uh, I, I think that some of the I, – I think you don't play a whole lot. You're a young player anyways, and, and it can really be hard to kind of figure out how you're supposed to – kind of flow in that system defensively uh, and where you're supposed to be at. And, you know, I, I think that particularly for young players, and again, when you're not getting a whole lot of minutes anyways, it's it's hard to kind of develop that that kind of innate sense that you need when you're playing defense and with, with four other guys. You know, it just, it, it comes slower for some guys. And I think for Gary, you know, it came a bit slow. And, you know, Gary had some opportunities earlier in the season to play and just really could not knock down shots. So, you know, now that, that he's kind of gotten over that and that's, again, that's something that like, I, I remember one of the first meetings we had, uh, after the draft and they, and they kind of, kind of give us a digest about 
the players and where they what they kind of think they're going to do. You know, like they they were already saying that like Gary could come into a game this year and score thirty points. Like that that would not surprise us at all. And then you know how are we supposed to deal with that if Gary Trent comes in and scores thirty points? So you know, and so they they've always known that he's had that 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 skill and that ability. But it was just getting the opportunity and getting getting enough time on the court to figure things out defensively. Uh, I, I think goes a long way. And again, like the, these past couple games, it, I don't I don't think it, it it shouldn't go without being mentioned that part of that is because he's getting those minutes and almost because he's getting minutes by default because there's just not, there's not the bodies out there. And that, I mean, that, that has an effect on players. Like it it just does knowing you're out there and knowing that, Hey, I can make some mistakes and it's not going to, to necessarily get me pulled when you're a young player like that, that means something. And it, and it definitely has a, an impact. And the other other thing I'll say, which is, you know, not any kind of, of real, you know, (laughs) intelligent observation is just, Kids of players like I, I, I've been saying it for probably five or six years now. Just get kids. If a, <laughs> if a guy's kid played in the NBA and he's even halfway worth a damn, give him a shot because they there's just that being around the game and kind of just knowing what it takes to get there and knowing kind of what the sacrifices are like it. It it has a different effect on players. And so when you have a guy who I mean, like I, I know nothing about Gary's relationship with Gary senior. So I, I don't know anything about it, but I do know that the players who had parents who played professional sports, they just have something else that, that gets them on the road to kind of figuring out what it takes to be a pro a lot faster than a lot of other guys. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. And plus just his, the way that he has been ready with like, his poise and his media and his answer. Like every time he talks, you're like, Oh my gosh, it sounds like he's been in the league for years. He, he takes just, his time. Like he, he really takes his time when he's answering questions now. Like the, the way he talks, like he says a sentence and kind of like does a hand motion. And then he says another sentence and kind of goes back the other direction. Like it, it's like, he's, he's figured that part out. Like he's figured out his, his cadence kind of in terms of kind of on the court. And I think kind of with how he, he projects himself. Do you guys think that he is in, um, like in the second half or, you know, after the all-star break, once every team has seen them, do you think he is in danger of like showing up on the scouting reports and being shut down? Like, how could he avoid that? The big thing for him is that if they do, somebody else comes open. That's the one thing about Portland's lineup and with, you know, Ariza and Melo, Damon, CJ, well, you can continue to let Hassan shoot 60% or whatever he's shooting on the season and like 76% at the rim and let him basically walk in for two points. Or you can keep helping inside and deciding who you want to leave open. And it's not like Gary's a, Gary's a guy you scout for when he's playing like this the same way that the you know West Matthews used to get scouted. He's a play ender. They're not drawing plays up for him. He he's in the motion offense in the flow offense. He's just going to get his spots. And as long as he continues to knock down shots, there's not a lot you can do to scout that unless you want to cheat off somebody else who's shooting well. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Terry Stotts is, is really good at getting, getting guys open looks from three point. If, if things go the way they're supposed to go, if guys play their assignment and they rotate to the open spot and they take the shot when they have it, then they're, he's going to get them open looks. So, I mean, I, one, it, you know, Gary's not a, I'm sure that he's he's not like the first 
third or second or third guy on the list. But I mean, I, I imagine that the, the book on Gary Trent, if nothing else is, Hey, don't let him get open from three. So like the fact that, that he's already been able to, to make a little progress now, I, I think is not, I mean, I, I think scouting is probably a, a piece of it, but I, I think it's more that he's really just kind of getting that opportunity, but it, he is going to get more attention, but you're right, Dan, like it, it getting attention is a good thing in the offense mm-hmm. because that's, that's the whole point is that we we're trying to put pressure on the defense in terms of, of how connected they are and are looking for that crack wherein we can take advantage of it, whether it's from, from the outside or from, from the paint. So I, I, I think as long like you said, if Gary can, if anyone can continue to hit a corner three, they are going to find success in Terry's system. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, and as of right now, Gary is that guy. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys, six weeks ago when the Blazers were getting crushed by the New York Knicks, I thought I don't remember that. Is this is this the bottom? Is it going to get any worse? And I never would have thought six weeks from from then we would have so much fun stuff to talk about. So um, I don't know. I feel like there's been progress being made. Um, But anyway, Casey, thank you so much for joining us tonight and telling us what it's been like getting to know some of the new players, what you've been observing. I really appreciate having you on. You want to tell folks if they don't already know where they can find your work? Oh yeah. If you, it's on trailblazers.com somewhere, uh, forward center.net. <laughs> I think, uh, URLs change from time to time. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, fo- I, I take hummingbird photos on Instagram. So if you want to check out my hummingbird the best photos, on Instagram, hummingbird photos. Uh, it's Casey Holdall. That's just my, my first and last name that that's, I, I, I just pub my, my wildlife photos from now on. <laughs> Everybody has their uh, their NBA. Yeah, it's, it's my passion project. Yeah. And then their nature account. You're all. Oh like, no, I just I just put mine all together. Mine's all sneakers and hummingbirds, basically. So a little <laughs> little something for everybody. I, you need to step next step with that and get uh, hummingbirds in sneakers. That's the real niche market. They have they have pretty cute feet, man. Like uh, my new hummingbird feet, are, <laughs> I really get a good close up look at them, and uh, I, I I might try to do some kind of hummingbird foot uh, <laughs> retrospective here at some point in time. Just Photoshop some Nikes on them. Uh, uh, Dames. 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 I'm sorry. This is a Dame team. Come on now. Right. I forgot. I forgot. And they they don't pay. No one pays me any money. So I I don't care which one I use, whatever, whichever one looks best. I I don't know which I'm, yeah, I'd have to consider what shoe brand would be more hummingbird. (laughs) That's when you know you've, you've really reached the apex of hummingbird IG is when you're one shoes, what a hummingbird wear. Okay. Well, guys, I'm going to cut us off before we get too much further. You can find me on Twitter at TCB Biggs. You can also follow the Hoops and Talks podcast at Hoops and Talks. We put out, uh, subscribe to the Blazers Edge podcast feed and you'll get both the weekly podcast and the uh, Hoops and Talks podcast. And occasionally you'll get a preview. I'm working on one for the Grizzlies, which I'm hoping I'll be able to get up this week. But if you subscribe to the Blazers Edge podcast, they will all magically come to wherever you get your podcasts. Dan, why don't you take us out of here? All right, folks. As always, you can find me on social media at Danny Morang at D-A-N-N-Y-M-A-R-A-N-G. I do not have great hummingbird photos. Uh, I'm sorry. I'll be better next time. Uh, you can find me and Joe Simons on NBC Sports Northwest following every Trailblazers game between now and the end of the season. For Tara, thank you, Casey. Appreciate you joining us, brother. Uh, thank you, for everybody, for listening. We'll catch you guys next week. Bye.